Fabulous. Oh. <laughs> so we're going to have the reading and then Ben's going to come and speak to us. <laughs> Sorry for the delay. Hebrews 1, 4 to 14. So he came as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. <coughs> For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have become your father. Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. And again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says... Let all God's angels worship him. And speaking of the angels, he says, He makes his angels spirits and his servants flames of fire. But about the sun, he says, Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. He also says, In the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will roll them up like a robe. Like a garment, they will be changed, but you remain the same, and your years will never end. To which of the angels did God ever say, Sit at my right hand, until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? Word of the Lord. Thanks so much, uh, Matthew, uh, for reading that for us. Do, uh, do keep your um, service sheets open. Um, that passage is on uh, the back of your service sheets. Oh, thanks, Ali. Um, and, uh, and, and you can check that what I'm saying is there uh, in the Scriptures as we go. Um, I'm just going to pray for us uh, to ask God to help us to understand what's a, a, a really rich passage. Father God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you that we can be here together. Thank you that you're not a God who leaves us guessing as to what you're like, but you show us in your word. Lord, I ask that as we now look at it, um, that you would show us Jesus. Father, uh, help us uh, where, we, where we underestimate him. Help us to see him in all his glory. Where we're tempted to turn from him to other things, uh, would we drink richly of the goodness of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Um, well, welcome. Um, uh, let me add my welcome to Ali's. If we've not met, uh, I'm Ben, and uh, really excited to catch up with you uh, over coffee at the end. Please do stick around for that. Uh, if you're joining us for the first time today, or the first time in a while, um, we are in the book of Hebrews. Uh, we started it last week, uh, and last week we saw that um, the, he- the writer to the Hebrews uh, talks about God speaking in the past in lots of kind of uh, various parts. Um, if you like, I heard this this week and I thought it's just so helpful I couldn't say it. I couldn't not say it. Um, if you like, 
the Old Testament is a bit like stepping stones. Uh, in other words, solid ground, absolutely true, but not complete. And the thing about stepping stones is that you walk across them in order to get somewhere, don't you? Jesus Christ is like the solid ground, the final word uh, that you get to. Uh, And what we're going to see today is the writer to the Hebrews is going to take us uh, to a few uh, different stepping stones uh, in order to continue his point, which is Jesus is better. We might be tempted to go uh, and look anywhere else, and the writer's point is always, no, Jesus is better. Jesus is better today uh, than the angels. A few weeks ago, um, uh, Sheffield Wednesday, uh, that amazing football team, uh, went and became the, uh, be- became the victors uh, of the playoffs for League One. It was a wonderful moment. Uh, we, we, we didn't go, um, but we watched it on the screen. Uh, and all that morning, we and the kids were in the car, and we were chatting away, and we were singing some, some chants. One of my favorite ones is, We've got Bannon, Barry Bannon, I just don't think you understand... The little Scottish man is better than Zidane. We've got Barry Bannon. And uh, now that that might be completely alien to all of you. You might not have a clue who Barry Bannon is. In fact, if you don't, it makes this illustration even better. Um, But we were sat there in the car and we were singing this. And and after a while, the kids said, "Um, who's Zidane? And we're like, oh yes, that's quite important. He's one of the greatest footballers the world has ever seen. He's a really uh, good footballer. Oh, right. A few moments later, one of the kids said, um, is, he, is it rude to Zidane that we say that Barry Bannon is better than him? And we kind of had to say, well, no, look, just being compared with Zidane is, 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 an, amazing, is amaz- an amazing feat in and of itself. Um, we don't actually think he's better than Zidane. But what the writer to the Hebrews does today is he says, do you know what? I'm going to compare Jesus with the most glorious thing in all creation in order that he wouldn't just be compared with the angels, but he would far, far exceed them in our estimation. At verse 4, he said, So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he's inherited is superior to theirs. That word superior just keeps coming up in the book of Hebrews. Uh, and, and in order to do this, what we need to do is we kind of need to think back to, to how uh, the first readers of this would have understood those words. You see, uh, angels to us... Sounds a bit like the kind of fat baby with a, with a bow and arrow who kind of sits on something. Um, and, and, and perhaps that's a slightly unhelpful view of what angels are. Um, uh, actually, some of our imagery is also slightly unhelpful. There's a real helpfulness about having some angels around our communion table at the front. It, it, we can talk about that and geek out on it at another time. Um, and yet, there's a possibility that we, that we misunderstand angels. You see... Angels are not tame beings. They're not small beings. Uh, When when the Lord God um, uh, removed Adam and Eve from the garden, he placed an angel there with a flaming sword. Uh, This is a scary creature. Uh, These are creatures who, uh, when they are given corporeal um, uh, uh, visible status, uh, people fall down in front of them, absolutely terrified. If an angel was to appear in here right now, uh, we would be on the floor, our knees would be knocking. It would be really very scary indeed uh, because angels, angels are scary. You know, in, in the Bible, when, when angels turn up, what do they, almost always, what do they start by saying? Do not fear. <laughs> 
you know that you're a fairly scary being if that's your opening. You know, if I walk into the pub tonight <laughs> and I walk in and I'm like, do not fear. <laughs> people, people would think I, I, I was, I, I, well, probably think I was mad and they might be right. But, um, but you know you're a scary being when that's the thing that you lead with, don't you? Here we have angels, massive, scary, supernatural beings. And the writer wants to say, yeah, but Jesus is better. Uh, And he does so uh, looking at those stepping stones. We've got uh, seven quotes from the Old Testament here in this passage. Um, And uh, and what he does is he puts three of them into kind of pairs. um, So six into three pairs. uh, And then puts one at the end. Uh, And he's wanting to say that Jesus is better really in in, in four areas at least. There's more more than that, but but four areas that we'll look at today. Uh, He wants to say, look, Jesus is better in relation uh, to his father. Uh, Verse five, for which of the... Sorry, for to which of the angels did God ever say, you're my son, today I become your father? Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. The writer of the Hebrews says, look, angels are sometimes known as sons of God. That sometimes happens in the Old Testament, collectively. But none of, to none of them does God the Father say, you are my son. And what's happening here is the writer of the Hebrews is picking up on something that happens a number of times in the Old Testament scriptures. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been on, on road trips um, where you've listened to the radio. Uh, and if you've got one of those ones where you kind of twist the dial to get to the right station, um, then what happens is you're kind of listening along to uh, Radio 1, maybe. Um, and uh, as you're going along, uh, every so often another radio channel might kind of cut in uh, and you'll hear just a little bit of, of something else that is going on. Uh, as we go through the Old Testament, and particularly a number of times in the Psalms, um, because it's both God's word and David's word, the writer to the Hebrews identifies times when, when we hear just a little bit of God speaking within the Trinity. It's not by mistake, it's on purpose. And here, as he picks up uh, in some of these Psalms, he says, look, uh, yes, this is David writing these Psalms, but actually this is a conversation within the Trinity as the Father turns to the Son and says... You are my son. Today I have become your father. He says, this son, Jesus Christ, has a different relation to the father than anything else, than any of the angels. Now, that being said, some of us will be thinking, okay, what, what's the today bit all about there? Or, uh, or again, when God brings him into the, introduces his firstborn in, in verse 6, what's that all about? Or, or the I will be? Um, Again, first century hearers would, would have understood this very well. Um, in those days, what you would have is uh, when you had a child, uh, they would grow up. Of course, they were always your child. Um, but they would come to a point when uh, they would be kind of presented to society. Uh, this is Josiah, son of Ben. This is uh, Bethany, son of, uh, daughter of Ben. Um, uh, and they would be presented uh, as, this is my child. Uh, and, and the writer of the Hebrews, just as, as he spoke last week about Jesus ascending to the right hand of the Father after his death and resurrection and ascension, he says, look, that, that's like God saying, I'm presenting my son here. This is my son. Today, I, I will be his father. He's presented Jesus. He says there's a difference between the angels and Jesus. In Isaiah 6, we have this uh, beautiful picture of, of, of heaven. And, um, and there you get these angels, and they're described as, as having six wings. 
Uh, and with two, they kind of cover themselves. With two, they fly. That's the kind of standard use for wings, isn't it? Uh, and, then, and then with the, the other two, they cover their faces. Because uh, even these angels can't look at the very glory of God. What's that? Uh, that, that there's that hymn, isn't there? Um, uh, about the angels. Um, uh, downward cast their burning eye at mysteries so bright. Um, uh, they, they can't look at the glory of God. Jesus is the eternal son of God. Think of angels here. Jesus is better. Uh, he's got a better relation to his father. He's got a better relation to worship as well. Um, it says this, um, uh, their belief, that, uh, verse 6, and again, when God uh, brings his firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. And speaking of the angels, he says, uh, he makes his angels spirits and servants flames of fire. Uh, he, he says, look, uh, there is a difference in, in, in worship between angels and the sun. Uh, angels uh, don't receive worship. In fact, there's a time in Revelation when John gets kind of all excited and starts bowing down to an angel. Uh, and the angel's horrified. He says, don't, don't worship me. Uh, worship God. The, angel, the angels don't receive worship. Uh, they themselves worship the sun. Uh, it'd be a bit like this. Let's imagine Barry Bannon comes on in here uh, and he sits down here in this, uh, this front row and uh, I don't know about you, I'd quite like to chat with Barry Bannon. I'd quite like to sit down and say, oh, what was it like, you know, there in, uh, in Wembley Stadium? And, and you, you, you've been there and, and you've been an instrumental part in an amazing football. Wow, it would be great. I would love spending time with Barry Bannon. Imagine I was away chatting with Barry. And then Zidane walks in and sits down. Who would Barry be interested in? Chat, chatting with Ben at the front? No, he'd want to go and speak to Zidane, wouldn't he? He'd be like, no, of course, he's one of the greatest footballers. I want to go and speak to him. Uh, imagine if the press got word of this uh, and they come on down and, uh, wow, you know, All Saints Totley has got uh, as Barry Bannon and Zidane uh, both here on the same day. Uh, who would they want? To, they'd want to speak to Zidane, wouldn't they? Uh, of course, they'd probably want to have a chat with Barry too, but, but Zidane's the main attraction. If we're tempted to worship the angels... The angels themselves say, we're worshipping the Son. He's better. He's better. So he's better in, in terms of uh, his relation to his Father. He's better in terms of his, his worship. He's better in terms of his eternal nature. That's the next two quotes, uh, verse uh, 8 through to, to the end of verse 12. Uh, he says, uh, start, starting off uh, again, the, the, the radio channel's tuned in to God, speaking to God uh, here. And he says, um, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. Notice how God speaks about this son. O God, he says. Uh, he carries on, verse 9. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions. Let's pause there for a moment. Uh, if, we, if we divide creation on the, like, the main line that it needs, uh, needs to be divided... God and not God. What we see is that angels and, and us and everything else here uh, is in the not God category. Uh, and here, uh, this son, Jesus, is in the God category. He, he's called uh, God. Uh, and that means that he goes on eternally back. Did you see? Uh, sorry, eternally forward. Uh, your throne will last forever and ever. It means that this uh, Jesus, who's on the God side of the category, will go on forever and ever. Everything on the created side of the category, that is, that is dependent on 
God. Uh, Jesus uh, has life in and of himself. He says that in the book of John. Uh, He's self-sufficient entirely. Everything else is dependent on that God continuing to uphold it. Jesus is on the God side. Angels, they're on the created side. He carries on, in the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth. Notice again that God, not God distinction. This Jesus, he's called Lord. You laid the foundations of the earth. He says, as you go back, if you keep going back, there was a time when you weren't, and then there was a time when your parents weren't, and uh, and then there was a time as you go far enough back when, when humans weren't, keep going back, there was a time when the angels weren't. But no matter how far back you go, you never come to a time when Jesus wasn't. He has always always been. He laid the foundations of the earth. And no matter how far forward we go, uh, everything else perishes uh, and will wear out like a garment. They'll be rolled up like a robe. They'll be changed, but you remain the same and will never end. As far back as you want to go, as far forward as you want to go, Jesus sits there remaining as the Lord, the God, uh, the one on that side of the equation. worship angels, they depend on the very one who is better than them, on Jesus. You worship angels, they worship the one who is better than them, on Jesus. You worship angels, they are not the Son of God. But they also have a different destiny. Verse 13, to which of the angels did God ever say, sit at my right hand? until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. You see, this son is an heir of all things. We saw that again last week, didn't we? He's the king of kings, uh, the one who will remain triumphant, the one who sits at God's right hand. His destiny is one of kingship. What's the destiny of the angels? Verse 14, are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation. Uh, They serve. And that's not a bad thing. It's a wonderful thing. But they're not sitting on the throne. Go through the scriptures. You never see an angel sitting on the throne. You see Jesus. But amazingly, you also see Jesus's people. Now, we don't become all the things that Jesus is, but we do reign with him. Uh, And those angels that we might be tempted to worship if we saw them here They serve not just Jesus, but God's people. It's an incredible place to be. The writer to the Hebrews is saying, why why would you go anywhere else but to serve this Jesus? Now, some of us are sitting here and we're thinking, do you know what? um, That's really interesting. But if I'm really honest with you, Ben, I didn't come in here with a distinct possibility of angel worship. I mean, maybe some of us did. I don't want to prejudge things. uh, But I'm guessing that might not be um, where you came in. But here's the thing. What, What the writer to the Hebrews does is he's like an expert debater. He takes the best of the argument. He says, what's the most worshipful thing that I could possibly think of? An angel. And I'm going to show you that Jesus is better. If that's true of angels... How much more true is it of 
those things that we might turn away from Jesus towards? How much more true of it is it of, uh, uh, than, than, uh, of, of Jesus that he is better than angels? Yes, he's better than angels. Uh, he, he's also better than that feeling of having paid the mortgage off that I might run off after. If he's better than angels, uh, he's much, much better than that social status that I clamor for. If he's better than angels, he's much, much better than standing on the pitch of Wembley and having 10,000 people chanting your name. He's better than that business deal. He's better than those things that we run off after. He's better than those secret sins that we might want to run off after. Jesus is better. A few years ago, um, uh, apparently the queen was out for a walk with uh, the former queen, um, uh, was out for a walk with um, her royal protection officer, a dude called Richard uh, Griffin. And apparently um, she often would, uh, would go for walks when she was up in, uh, up in Scotland with him. And uh, uh, Richard Griffin recounts the time. He said um, uh, that she would often go for, uh, for lunchtime picnics, and very often it would just be the police officer and Her Majesty. One of those picnics, I went out with her, and we had a lovely picnic and a lovely chat. Uh, and then we went out for a little walk, just the two of us. Normally, there would be no others in the area, I'm told. Uh, But on that particular day, Griffin and the Queen came across two Americans on a walking holiday. It was clear from the moment we first stopped, he said, that they hadn't recognized the Queen, which is fine. And the American gentleman was telling the Queen where he'd come from and where they were going next and where they'd been to in Britain, he continues. And you could see it coming. Sure enough, he said to Her Majesty, where do you live? She said, well, I uh, live in London, but I've got a holiday home just on the other side of these hills. This was followed up with a question about how long the Queen had been visiting, to which she replied that she'd been visiting for over 80 years. So he said, well, if you've been coming for 80 years, you must have seen the Queen. (laughs) Griffin continued, as quick as a flash, she said, well, I haven't, but Dick here meets her regularly. So the guy said to me, you met the queen? What's she like? (laughs) At this point, Griffin had been working with the queen for a long time, and he gave a cheeky answer that she could be cantankerous, uh, but had a lovely sense of humor. Afterward, the American put his arm around Griffin's shoulder and asked the queen to take a picture of them, (laughs) which she did. Anyway, he said, we swapped places and I took a picture of them with the Queen uh, and we never let on. We waved goodbye and Her Majesty said to me, I'd love to be a fly on the wall when he shows those photographs to his friends in America. Hopefully somebody tells him who I am. (laughs) I I love thinking of that conversation. You know, you can imagine, can't you? I'm showing off the photos. Oh, and and, and he was with this this lady as well and they, they... that was, that was the queen. You can imagine how embarrassing it would be. There you were, you're speaking to the police officer when the queen was right there. Imagine what it will be like as we walk into the throne room of heaven and we say, Jesus, you were good, but actually I was more interested in this or that or how I'm doing or how my business is doing, how my family is doing. 
yes, I could have listened to you, but in my eyes, something else was better. uh, The writer to the Hebrews says, don't do that. Jesus is superior. And amazingly, you get to enjoy him as a Christian. Let's pray together, shall we? In vain, the firstborn seraph tries to sound the depths of love divine. Father, there is such a difference between your son and the angels. There's such a a marked difference between your son and anything or anyone else that we would possibly put in his place. Show us, as Ali was talking about earlier, where we are playing with the wrapper and missing the toy. Where we're chatting to the bodyguard and missing the queen. Oh, Father, I pray that you would enlarge our view of Jesus in your eyes. The answer here is not to make angels less grand, but to see that Jesus is more. It's not to make the things of this world dimmer, but to make Jesus brighter in our eyes. And so would you do that? Would we enjoy him? And would we glorify him as the King of kings, the one Son of God, the eternal, begotten, not created Son? And like the angels, will we downward bend our glistening eye at mysteries so bright? For we pray it in his name, which is above all names. Amen.